Welcome to Better Animal Handling, episode 205. From the center of Missouri, USA, I'm C.B. Chastain, your guide to better animal handling, and Ginger, my catalog and outdoorsy co-host. Say hi, Ginger. <coughs> Our goals are to improve your knowledge of why domestic animals from Chihuahuas to Clydesdales act as they do and how to better handle them safely and humanely. Today's episode's on outdoor containments for dogs. Our topics for this week are dog houses and outdoor runs, fences for dogs, and tethering dogs. Healthy dogs should be given the opportunity to exercise in a normal manner. For example, each day a dog should be allowed to achieve a running stride. Kennel runs should have a solid wall or at least four feet of vertical visual isolation from other runs, and protection from male dogs in adjacent runs, urinating from one run into another. The remainder of the run wall should be 3 8 inch stainless steel rods to promote adequate air circulation. Urine should not be able to flow in any direction other than toward the run's floor drain. The door can be hinged or sliding. Hinged doors should only open outward to prevent accidental wedging of a struggling dog attempting to escape. Outdoor runs should have a contiguous escape-proof roof. If not on concrete, wire mesh should be buried around the inside of the perimeter to prevent a dog from escaping by digging out. Dog houses are for moisture-proof, wind-proof shelter from intense sunlight, rain, snow, sleet, and hail. If properly constructed and sized for the dog, it can provide passive warmth. To fit the dog, the house should be just large enough for the dog to stand on all four feet comfortably, turn around, and lay on its side. If it's larger, it may not sufficiently entrap the dog's body heat in the winter. The door should be relatively small, only slightly larger than the top of the dog's shoulders. There should be a flexible, water-resistant door flap, a self-closing door, or an interior partial partition that creates a small hallway entrance that prevents wind from blowing directly into the house. For further wind protection, the house should be located on the east or southeast side of a larger structure, such as a house, garage, barn, or shed, with the door of the doghouse facing east or southeast, away from prevailing winds. The floor of the doghouse should have a solid floor raised at least two inches from the ground for insulation. The roof should be hinged to permit easy cleaning. Soft, insulating bedding, such as old shredded clothes, blankets, 
commercial dog beds or hay that cannot be dragged out of the doghouse should be provided in winter months. Bedding should be replaced or cleaned on a regular basis. Straw is poor bedding for dogs that is typically dusty and will prick and irritate the skin. Only dogs that have dense hair coat for colder weather and has time to adequately adapt to declining temperatures should be made outdoors with a doghouse. Wire fences are typical yard containment for dogs. Wire 2 by 2 or 2 by 4 inch mesh, yard and kennel, woven wire, galvanized fence, 3 to 5 feet tall is economical and safe fencing for dogs. It is flat surfaced, reducing a chance of dogs climbing over in corners. Chain link is more common, but it's easier for dogs to climb out especially at fence corners. An invisible fence is an enclosure that functions by using an electric shock to deter a dog from leaving an area surrounded by a buried perimeter wire which delivers the shock. The system consists of a combination of perimeter wire buried up to 8 inches deep, a radio signal generator, and a special collar containing a battery-driven radio receiver. As a shock receiver collar-wearing dog approaches the perimeter, the collar will issue a warning beep. If this is not a sufficient deterrent, the dog will receive a shock. Ten minutes of training per day for two weeks is recommended to familiarize dogs to the system. Temporary flags marking the perimeter may aid in initial training. The dog must be shocked at least once to learn the consequences of ignoring the warning or perimeter flags. Potential drawbacks to invisible fencing are system failure due to weak or dead collar batteries or broken perimeter wire. No barrier exists for animals without a special collar to discourage them from entering the yard, which leaves the contained dog vulnerable to injury or death by roaming dogs. The charge may be insufficient for dogs with a thick hair coat without the neck being groomed, and excessive shock can occur if the dog's hair coat gets wet. Some dogs wearing a receiver collar will bound through an invisible fence line with high excitement and then refuse to return for fear of being shocked. Some dogs fight going past the perimeter fence even if the fence electricity is off or if they're not wearing the receiver collar. People or other animals may unknowingly venture into the containment and be bitten. Tethering dogs for long periods on a chain, rope, or cable is contrary to proper socialization of dogs. In 1996, the USDA issued a statement that tethering is inhumane. The majority of U.S. states have anti-tethering laws. Being tethered separates dogs physically and psychologically from members of a dog, human, or other surrogate family members. 
Tethered dogs become overly protective of their small territory and defensive, knowing they cannot escape. Tethers become wrapped around or over objects or tangled, causing strangulation, leg injuries, or preventing the dog from escaping an attack from another dog, malicious humans, or stinging insects. Tethers can also prevent access to water or food or avoidance of being forcibly bred. Tethered dogs usually wear down the vegetation, leaving only dirt or mud to lie on. In addition, owners who tether dogs are less likely to clean the area of feces. Many tethered dogs hang themselves to death, attempting to jump or climb over objects or falling off elevated surfaces. A study by the U.S. Centers of Disease Control reported that tethered dogs are three times more likely to bite than dogs that are not tethered. Children under 12 years of age are five times more likely to be bitten by a tethered dog. Tethering on a dog trolley, a tether attached to a slip ring on a horizontal line similar to a clothesline, permits the tether to slide along the horizontal line. This may increase the dog's territory, but it does not eliminate the problems associated with tethering. It's common for people who live in rural areas to think it's appropriate to let their dogs constantly run free. But this is a risk to the health and welfare of the dogs and to people and other animals they may interact with outside the dog's property or range of voice command from its owner. When dogs are not on leash or under voice control, they should be kenneled or inside a fence because of the liability risks relating to the danger they might impose on other people, animals, or property, and for their own safety against larger, more aggressive or stronger roaming dogs or predatory wildlife. If you have comments or are interested in particular animal handling subjects, contact us at cbc at betteranimalhandling.com. Now let's recap the key points to remember from today's episode. Healthy dogs should be allowed to run at least once per day. Dog houses need to be fitted for the dog's body size to ensure sufficient warmth. Fences for dogs should also prevent the entrance of roaming dogs. Tethering of dogs causes them to become more aggressive. Ginger says it's time to wrap up this episode. More information on animal handling can be found in my recent books, Animal Handling and Physical Restraint, Concise Textbook of Small Animal Handling, and Concise Textbook of Large Animal Handling, all published by CRC Press and available on Amazon and for many other fine book supply sources. Additional information is provided at betteranimalhandling.com. This website has more than 200 past podcasts with notes on handling of dogs, cats, other small mammals, birds, reptiles, horses, cattle, small ruminants, swine, and poultry. Don't forget, serious injury or death can result from handling and restraining some animals. Safe and effective handling and restraint requires experience and continual practice. Acquisition of the needed skills should be under the supervision of an experienced animal handler. Thanks for listening. 
Ginger and I hope you'll come back next week when I'll talk about saving a horse cast in a stall. Hey, Ginger, have you ever been cast in a stall? She said she was cast once as Juliet in Romeo and Juliet in a theater in Akron, Ohio. And it was about the size of a horse stall.